Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Riffers. This is Riffs and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go to many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riffwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk about adventuring parties. So, there are two angles that can be taken to talk about this subject. Nathan, can you name either or both of them for me? Okay, so the first one is a party of people that go out and adventure. The second is a, is a party of people celebrating adventuring. <laughs> uh, honestly, that was a better attempt than usual, so kudos, Nathan. No, in all seriousness, there's the in-game and out-of-game angles to the question in terms of how do you actually assemble a party and the party balance, and then there's the in-world, how does the party assemble? However, we have actually talked about party balance in the past, so we're just going to kind of quickly go through that to review a bit just because it is indeed still part of this topic. So, Nathan, uh, we've talked at length in the past about the various roles that exist in 5th edition D&D. So what would you say is kind of an ideal party makeup? Uh, range guy, healer guy, uh, hitty guy, maybe a magic, magic guy. And it may be good to have a defensey guy in there, too. Yeah, the guy to tank the damage. Yeah, but again... Just because there are like the classic, you know, roles that a set of characters can be, that doesn't mean that you have to go that way. If you want to have a tank and just four magic users that just blow the shit out of your enemies, your enemies are probably going to die pretty quick and you can probably get by doing that. If you want to just have five magic users, you know, even with no healers at all, again, theoretically, if you can like strategize well and not let people get close to you, you might still be okay. So just because there is the classic role, like the reason that there is that stereotypical balance is because that kind of makeup is 
balanced. It helps in more situations to have a defensey guy and a healy guy and some damagey people. A healy guy. I just thought, let's think of healies for a second. Yeah, uh, I, I think we actually still need to do that episode, come to think of it. That one's still on the list. We'll get there eventually, right. folks. <laughs> Turns out I have a lot to say about a lot of things. Thanks anyway. Surprise. <laughs> but yeah, you don't need to do things a specific way. If you want to have five fighters in the party, you can do that too. Honestly, fighters are more flexible than a lot of people give credit because even with fighters, you can still have a, you know, defensive person, you know, damagey person, ranged person. Like a lot of people underappreciate how actually really good a fighter archer can be. Like that really works as a build. Uh anyway, I think we talked about that back in our snipers episode come to think of yeah anyway god we have 160 fuck <sighs> anyway <laughs> so uh, just out of curiosity uh nathan what would you say though to someone that does not have any healer in the party health potions health potions but also a lot of people forget about hit dice like on a short rest in fifth oh, edition yeah, you're able to those spend hit dice Every character has a finite ability to self-heal out of combat. It is much more dangerous in combat to not have, you know, magical healing available. But again, that's what potions are for. And potions are generally, in most D&D worlds, a relatively accessible thing. And again, depending on the exact rules that you use in your own world, you may even still have someone in the party who might be capable of making healing potions themselves, which could certainly also help. Like, if you want to be a nicer DM, if someone does have the correct you know, tool proficiency to be able to make healing potions, then that might be something that makes it just a little bit easier on the party to allow. But the big point that I just want to make for this, like, yeah, there are an infinite mixture of how you can balance a party, but you really don't need to. And that whenever you are assembling a party, like from the game perspective, just let everyone make what they want to. Don't worry so much about having every role filled. Can it be helpful to have every role? Sure. But it's not a necessary thing, and it is not something that has to be a requirement to play the game correctly, because it's, it's just not. So with that out of the way, let's move on to the meat of the topic for today, which is in-game assembling an adventuring party. So Nathan, what exactly are we talking about here? Okay, so um, I assume you mean the gathering of the different people into that party that like yeah. how they got to be that way. And there are a couple ways to handle it. The big easy, easy one is <laughs> you all meet at a tavern because there's a quest posted in the tavern that says help wanted giant rat snake turtle has attacked the town hall or something like that, right? <laughs> That sure. is the classic. <laughs> oh man, I'll admit though, it wasn't the angle that you're that I thought you were going, but I'm glad that you did. <laughs> but you are right, Nathan. That is one of the most common ways that a party is assembled. Of just like there was a poster somewhere, whether it was at the pub or whether it was just like on like a lamp post that they just had like a help wanted or a missing person or some such like bounty type sign and 
as you even said, even if the even if the sign isn't in the pub, the meeting place is always the fucking pub. (laughs) It doesn't matter how big the city is, how wealthy the person posting the job is. You always, for some goddamn reason, like you can have, you can have, like imagine this. It's like a royal, like like the king, just like he's sitting there. He's like, what's up? And just every other single patron in the place is just a guard, just giving you a mean look. Don't you bullshit. It's like, I mean, there could have been better ways to handle, better places to do this, sire. This isn't discreet at all. This is kind of dangerous. You are You're still wearing your crown. Why did you think this is a good idea? Like, you're asking for help against assassins. Why are you coming out here? Don't you have magical words on the palace itself? What? Why? It's like, I like this pub. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Jeff over there makes a very good mead. <laughs> I- I'll offer to deliver it for you, sire. Y- y- I-, I-, I appreciate your patronage, but it's risky, sire. <laughs> Shut up and it. pour me another mead. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this king, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And Jeff. <laughs> but honestly, like, that's part of the reason that it is the pub so often, is that the pub is the stereotypical fantasy trope of here be interesting people and here be quests. So, yeah, it's an obvious way to just introduce things very, very quickly and just to try to just get to, like, the meat of the quest sooner than later by not having to describe as many things or people but like you can describe as much or as little and like yes it's a pub it looks like a pub it smells like a pub it's a pub like or you can like you know it is a oak building the scent of which you know wafts pleasantly through the air uh the wood burning in the fireplace it spreads a tangible warmth that only enhances the atmosphere of merriment. Like, what, think, what the fuck ever? You think you can smell the sour uh, smell of puke on the ground? <laughs> You're right. Uh, stop it. Magical world. <laughs> Press the digitation. Fuck you. No. <laughs> uh, nothing pleases me more than foiling Nathan with prestidigitation. Nothing. <laughs> So anyway, I'm sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but a worthy one. (laughs) The point that is to be made here, though, is that like there is good reason for it to be the pub. The pub is stereotypically like the place where information comes from. Like that is the place where someone hears something or someone is, you know, hanging out, you know, clandestinely. Like it is like just the way to do that, whether it is like the bright pub, the shady pub. It's it's the pub. Like I would say, like a solid half the time, it's gonna start in a pub. Your D and D game is just going to feature a pub in the first session. Yeah, and, and like that, that's it, true, right? The odds are not, really not high. just that. Not just that. It's highly likely that that pub is going to be like a major place that you you re you like you regroup at and whatnot it over the course of the well story. Like that is just a very human reaction is to like connect with you know your watering hole so yeah like if your players do just make a connection to like whatever that first location is that's pretty common and that's fine like for all the shit that i am giving it like it is a trope for a reason because it works and because it is a successful way to do this 
That being said, it is not the only way to do such things. Indeed. Nathan, can you name another one? Um, one fun one that I, I like to do sometimes, so I've not really done it on the show before, but I've done it in some of my own personal games. Uh, this requires some planning with the players, but generally speaking, you just need to figure out where your players are from and where why they're in the city. Come up with some uh, relevantly tangential goals, and then have a series of wonderfully lovely coincidences result <laughs> in them be placed in a situation where they need to fight a big, bad, evil thing. And then the encounter brings them together and they decide to party up. Absolutely. Having the... Uh, what's the phrase? Wait, I have done that before. Yes, in the, the show. show episode one. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it? Uh, circumstance of convenience or some such? Yeah. But the idea of like, okay, like, you know, the people who will be the party are like the most capable individuals that are just scattered about the area. That might be a market, or that might just be an entire small town. And just something happens that requires, oh shit, like we need to fight this thing off, or we're all going to die. So all of the party members are just going to fight the thing together, and then you have that kind of, you know, Avengers moment, like, oh, we fight real good together. Stick around? Stick around. Stick around. Okay. And honestly, I do kind of like that one. The problem is, like, you do have to be slightly cautious with this one for two reasons. Number one, if you are throwing some kind of big bad, there's actually a pretty high chance of death. And that's something to be careful of in the session one, because that's just kind of a dick move to kill a character in session one. I mean, one. Remy, the way I handle uh, Archon is all smoke and mirrors, basically. Uh-huh. Because here's the thing, there was a Valor Demon, but it never actually got hit or directly fought with the Valor Demon in question. Yeah, but that's just because you love to make player characters irrelevant. No, it's... <laughs> uh-huh. It's a Valor Demon. You're level uh -huh. one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that was not resolved by the party. That was not actually really fought in a meaningful way. You know, uh... Yeah, you kind of have a pattern, Nathan. You know... Hey, cut, cut on me, gems, man. <laughs> anyway, so that is something to be cautious of. However, you can subvert that expectation. It is entirely possible that in session one, you have a player in the party that like starts playing some character that they built and they just hate it. This happens. It is unfortunate, but it happens. Like maybe you do just like try going out of your comfort zone with a new character, but it ends up going too far to the fact that you are just actively not enjoying yourself. Like maybe you're trying to play like a wizard and it just is more spells than you want to keep track of and it is just not fun for you. It is entirely possible in that situation. For Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the DM to take advantage of this situation and to like talk to the person in question just kind of to the side for a moment and or just openly, it just depends on your DM style and like show the power of this creature by killing that character and just let them reroll someone else for the next session. Like so you can kind of show off the power of a thing by having a, you know, party death, but plan like doing that without previous okay dick move doing it with the characters okay good storytelling so again one of the just big draws of D in general is the fact that there is no one way that you can do things for all of the things that we have already talked about and will talk about that's not at all the limit any fucking thing that you want to do you can which is awesome so Honestly, there is one other even easier way that I'm a little surprised that you didn't bring up, Nathan, as the first option, which is just, you guys already know each other, let's go. (laughs) Like, you don't have to actually assemble the party. It is entirely reasonable to just get right into the story. Like, especially if you are making the choice to not start at first level, like if you're starting at like three, five, eight, whatever, then it is totally fine to just say you guys have been traveling together. You are already familiar with each other. We don't need to do the assembly at the pub because that has just theoretically happened already at some point in the past. So we are just moving past that and we are just going to this place. You guys might already even be on the road to the place. That's just where we're starting, you know, the camera focus and that's fine like i myself have done that one more often than not like i personally do like starting a little bit higher than first level because first level is squishy and i like the whole escapist fun (laughs) just because you like killing people yeah but like it's so good because like i could throw like a single enemy at you and you can be still be terrified it's great i mean you, you could do that at higher levels if you actually knew party yeah, balance and such. But, like, you know, it's easier. <laughs> <sighs> Quick tangent, folks. All if right. you're going to be the dungeon master, please, please read the books. You can get by. Nathan has proven that adequately. But so many hours. If you want to really know how to balance the party and monsters and encounters, read the books. Information is there. Calculators also exist if you want to pre-plan certain encounters to know how difficult something might be for certain amounts of, you know, people in the party. Those exist. Nathan has never touched one, but they do exist. They're helpful. They're not perfect, but they're there. Just explore what's out there, folks. Please. For me. (laughs) 
anyway, um, back to the topic that we're supposed to be talking about. So something else that is important around the adventuring party is the rules that you are choosing to abide by. And I don't mean actual mechanical rules. Here is where I'm talking more about the social contract. So again, we have done a full episode talking about that in depth, but again, worth a little bit of resummary here for irrelevance. So what I'm talking about with that is if you're in a party, this is the group of people that you are trusting to have your back. You are trusting that if you get into a fight with a dragon, they're going to help you fight the dragon and not just run and leave you to be eaten. You are trusting them once you all start accumulating significant amounts of wealth to not rob other members of the party. I don't care if you're a rogue. If you're a rogue, the whole reason that you're able to accumulate wealth is because the other members of the party help you beat things that you would not be able to defeat alone. That is the point of a party. So a rogue in a party should know that they sleep around these people. If a rogue steals something from a party member, that is a no-no. That is dumb. You should not ever do that. Don't. You can be a rogue with full-on kleptomania, but you should also still realize a rogue is rarely dumb, and a rogue should understand you trust the party and the party has to trust you. You can rob everyone else in the world, but you do not rob your party. You do not backstab your party unless there are exceptional circumstances that would prompt such a thing. You don't do those kinds of things. And it is something that I suggest should be talked about out of game in terms to make sure that that fact is understood, but also should be a fact in game. Because again, in a D&D world, the whole point, like I just said, of a party is to defeat things that you could not do alone. Trust is massively important. If you ever found out that there was a lone individual who is like trying to hire someone or trying to join a new party, and you find out the reason that they're trying to join a new party is that they abandoned their old party to their deaths or that they got kicked out for stealing something from the party like that is the kind of thing that should be like alongside kinslayer as like a big no-no in world it should be a taboo in world for someone to be some form of party betrayer remember people you do not want that black mark on your resume you know you do not like and that is something that should be a big deal in world. Like, unfortunately, I myself haven't come up with like a word for that type of thing that like I find ideal yet. But like, you know what I mean? Like to call them like a betrayer, like something along the lines of Kinslayer. But I just don't have anything that sounds as cool like for myself yet. But like there should be an in-world taboo for people who betray their party. Like that just should be a person to be shunned and shamed. And again, like in-world, like that is something kind of interesting to think about is, okay, this is a generally medium to high magic world where, okay, you have all of these people that are capable of magic. You have all of these people that are capable of just absolutely crazy things. So you need to have that level of trust in the party. And 
also, of course, you know, zone of truth can also be helpful because disguise magic is a thing. So how would you treat it, Nathan, if someone who had something like disguise self framed a member of the party for something? Uh, is it a player framing the other person? Let's say no for this particular situation. Okay. So let's say that you're framed for stealing something somehow, blah, blah, blah. Or what? Let's just, let's just use what's, uh, use that as an idea. Mm-hmm. Wait, fuck. What was this in reference to? So let's say an NPC uses disguise self to frame uh-huh. a member of the party for robbing another member of the party. Like how I handle it? Yeah. Okay. So I would say that the main thing is to, uh, first off, Tell, make sure that the person who I I'm gonna do this to is first aware of it because uh, that's kind of an ass move to do to someone's character just off the bat. Um, depending on how you handle it. Um, and the big one is uh, let's say you frame someone, right? Like obviously they they need to be on it. Like like they need to know that they're being framed, right? So do they uh, though? I mean, well, sorry. This is you... how you would handle it. I'm sorry. I'm interrupted. Yeah. So uh, like. Let them know that uh, in advance, some like true, like maybe maybe it's like slime message. Um, but the main thing is have it so that they have sufficient, like they're, they're able, they're like, fuck, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. It's not so, a thing I would do. <laughs> so this is absolutely something that I would do. But again, that's just because I'm a different type of asshole than you are, but I'm certainly exactly. still an asshole. So this is something that, magically speaking, is easy. Like, this could be done by a first-level character, and it only just gets harder as levels go up, because then it's just harder to, like, you know, hit the DC to notice the disguise. But anyway, there are a lot of, you know, magics that exist, like Zone of Truth that would help get to the heart of the matter. Maybe there are ways to figure out that there is this NPC that has... Uh, this disguise ability. However, what's also terrifying to consider is that memory magic does exist in canonical 5th edition D&D, in quite a few ways, in fact. So once the theft has occurred, the asshole DM answer that I would give, you have no (laughs) recollection of committing this crime. That's mean. (laughs) You're mean. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. And I'm okay with that. And that's an important (laughs) distinction, because instead of telling the player flat out, you didn't do the thing, it's you have no recollection thereof. And I mean, honestly, like people have had similar things happen with alcohol. People have committed horrible crimes while they're drunk that they have no recollection of the next day. And like even without magic, you can easily have that have been the case. Like maybe the person like bought them drinks all night so that they'd get blackout drunk and that they would have no memory, yay or nay, of the event in question. That's kind of funny because like, Remy, like I would think that you'd be the first person to say, hey, that's not cool. You're not supposed to put actions in the into your uh, your your, um, players characters. See, that's the thing. It is unknown at that point in time if they did the thing or not. So I'm not attributing an action. I'm accusing Uh them of a thing, but I am not saying definitively whether or not they did the thing. And that's part of the fun of it, in my opinion, because there's a number of options that the party could take in that situation of, 
okay, we're either A, going to try to clear their name, and then there is a possibility, maybe they did the thing and just don't remember. Or maybe they do find out, oh, okay, it was someone else that looks, that, you know, disguised themselves. Or just someone who happens to look a little like them. That can happen. Like, there are people who just look similar in the real world. That's a thing. But there are just a number of ways. Or maybe they could just decide to book it out of town and they just like, well, can't go back to that place for a while. Hey, hey. Like, you, you might have accidentally stolen something. Who knows? And you totally forgot. Entirely possible. Yeah, exactly. Like, how you can accidentally stab someone, you know? It's, it's all the same. No, no, no. That was a panic reaction. That wasn't... I wouldn't call that an accident, per se. It's an accident, Kirby. It wasn't premeditated, but it wasn't an accident, either. An accident would an be accident. if you dropped your knife and someone fell on it. That's an accident. Exactly. He fell on the knife. Three times. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> and the knife was in my hand. I was moving my hand, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> no, that actually is a thing that happens, you know? Well, like, like someone is like trying to hold someone back while they're holding a, like, and they're holding a knife, and then like the person charges just into the knife or gets pushed into the knife. That has happened in the real world. It sucks, but that happens. Like, that's, yeah, that's not cool, but it happens. Anyway, so... The point to be made here, though, is that, like, yes, it is a good idea to have, like, the kind of party rules in and out of game, but that doesn't mean that you can't subvert them for the sake of hopefully interesting storytelling. So, again, everything that is a rule in 5th edition is, in reality, a mere suggestion. Like, rule zero of Dungeons & Dragons is that what the DM says goes. So it is 100% up to the Dungeon Master to make the choice of how to treat adventuring party set up in, the, in you know, our world preparing to play the game, as well as in-world for what rules to abide by, which rules to tweak, to make the most interesting story for everyone at your table. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media, on Twitter, at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Riftwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.